Welcome to our new D&D podcast, um, World Building Restoration. I am DMing. My name is Kai. I use they, them pronouns. Um, this campaign will be heavily focused on healing and casters that have the ability to heal. The setting that we're currently in is very modern day. There are cars, there are phones, there are big cities, there are small towns. You know, there's, the internet is there. There's celebrities, there's pop stars, but, you know, there's L and there's humans too, but there's, you know, there's just a little mix of everything. So we have four party members. We will begin with Jade. My name is Jade. I use she, her pronouns. I'll be playing Helgazi, the goblin druid. And she looks great for her age. From there, we also have Leo. What's up? I'm Leo. I use he or they pronouns. I'm going to be playing Note. He is a drow cleric. Let's just say you may not hear him speak a whole lot, but I think you'll get to know him very well. From there, we've got Jay. Uh, what's up? I'm Jay. Um, I use they them pronouns, and I'll be playing Marty in Elf Bard. Uh, she is the definition of dramatic. From there, our last player is Jack. Hello, my Jack. I use he and they pronouns, and uh, I will be playing uh, the dragonborn paladin, Niru Blackwell. He is trying his best. And we love him for it. <laughs> Alright. As the scene starts, you find yourself alone in an overgrown forest. The trees reach above you until all the sky has been obscured. The floor is littered with leaves and vines and massive roots breaking through the topsoil. You see no wildlife, but you hear chirping and scurrying. The forest is alive and flourishing. An unusual sight compared to what you're each used to. You began this journey at the crack of dawn, and have been traveling nearly all day. You would know it must be getting late. Someone called you here, and you answered. Marzi, how were you contacted? I was contacted via a letter dropped off at my hotel door. Um, I'm, a, I'm a traveler by trade, so... Um, I often get called to places where I will be doing my stuff for a couple of days, and then I'll leave. So this wasn't really that unusual for me. All right. So um, as you began this sort of journey, you decide to take a quick little shortcut. You're on foot for a short portion of this. Um, as you are on this journey, you decide to take a quick little detour through a garden. You've never actually been through this particular garden before, but it's... It's very beautiful. There's a vine-covered archway over the exit, and as you pass beneath it, your head pounds and you collapse. When you steady yourself and regain your balance, this garden has changed. Instead, you are amongst ruins. The ground before you is crumbling, and a fleck of ash hits your forehead, and it burns. You hear a roaring fire, and a gust of wind threatens to pick you up and carry you away. You are lost and you are terrified, so you run as fast and as far as you can. You feel you must have run for days or years, but according to the sun in the sky, it doesn't look like any time has passed. And then, like a miracle, you find a huge tree, untouched by the acid rain. As you fall to your knees at its base, 
you pass out. When you wake up, you're in this forest that I've described, and you are lost, but you're not quite as scared. You're at the end of a small path, and there's small pink flowers dotting along the edge of the path. And then we're going to shift over to Helgazi. Okay. Helgazi, how were you contacted? I was contacted through the Fae that live in my area. Okay, tell me about that. I live alone, or, well, Helgazi lives alone in the woods, um, tending to her own crops. She's learned to thrive in the woods over her many years of living there. Okay. And um, she has grown to be neighbors with the Fae. So you're talking like fairies, right? Fairies, yeah. Okay. And she's used to their tricks and their pranks, but she hasn't really heard them talk to her before. Mm-hmm. So when they started actually speaking to her, she started listening. Okay. And, like, what were they saying? Uh, they were saying... Uh, hey, look, listen, over no, there. No, nothing <laughs> like that. Well, I don't know, maybe... Well, you did decide to follow these fairies, and... They were beckoning me. They were, and they were leading you deeper and deeper into this forest that you live in. And as you followed them, you stumbled upon an old well. Its entrance was surrounded by crumbling stone, so you didn't really notice it covered in all the vines and the leaves, and you stepped right into it. As your body fell, you felt the floor beneath you been like a revolving door. So as you hit the ground, you feel your body flipping over as the ground flops you back right side up. And it's a little disorienting. I can um, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and your balance is thrown off as you find yourself atop a massive monument. You stand up and try to regain your balance, and you stare up at this huge statue. It's several hundred feet tall. It's a figure with no face and hands that cover its mouth. It's got a big cloak over its head, a big hood, and you turn away from it and you look down at this huge sprawling town below it. You see shops and cars and bustling dwarven women hauling boxes from the back of a large truck. You see small tieflings push one another on swings at a playground. It's almost picturesque. But beyond that, you see a great wall, and then you hear it. There's a speaker broadcasting across the whole village. It's almost loud enough to cover the horrible moaning from the other side of the wall. You clamber down from the monument just as a light begins to flicker at its base. You stare at this light and it's blinking faster and faster and faster before you feel something fly past your head and a bullet casing clatters to your feet. It doesn't take long before another grazes your leg, tearing your clothes, and then you run. You run into the town, and you push past confused dwarven men and another goblin woman. They shake their fists at you, but you persist. You run down an alley, and another shot hits your arm. You reach down and lift up a manhole cover, and you drop into the sewers. It's dark and dingy, but you feel like you can finally breathe down here. As you waddle through the murky water, you see a light ahead, and expecting it to be an escape, you instead find a small tree growing from inside of the, the sewage. Um, 
it's barely a sapling, and yet from your time spent tending to nature and growing things, you can see it's full of life. As you stare at it, you see another leaf unfurl, and the tree seems to grow to a new height in a matter of seconds. The light around it grew as well, and you're blinded for a moment. As you awaken, you also find yourself on the forest floor, in the same forest that I described a few minutes ago. There's a path at your feet, marked by tiny orange flowers. Note, how were you contacted? I was contacted by phone. Uh, since Note is mute, he actually mostly communicates by phone. You're talking like text message, right? Yep. Okay, cool. So what what did the text say? Was it in like text lingo probably? <laughs> it was actually... All in emojis. All in, it was just a solid chunk of emojis. No. How did, yeah, just, it, it was all emojis. That, it was all emojis, and I was, and the, Note was like, I don't understand half of this, and had to ask for clarification. But it, but you did eventually figure out that this, this chunk of emojis was asking you to go on, was asking you to, to meet it somewhere, right? Yes, I finally figured that out after some, after, like, asking for clarification about 18 times. Alright, well, it never actually gave you any specific directions, which is kind of a common theme, theme amongst the other ones. None of you ever really got directions on where to go. It was more of just a feeling deep inside of you on where to go. And note, as you begin following this, this pulling towards this place that you can't really put your finger on, you, you've been traveling possibly longer than anyone else. You actually decide to stay somewhere for the night. Um, you stop by a small inn with a bar. While you're sitting in the bar, you feel that pulling again, and you enter the wine cellar. And this is not the cast of Amontillado, I would like to reiterate that. It, that's not happening. But you Go, do... would you like to come into the wine cellar to find out? No. Mm, come, Fortunato. <laughs> you do, however, go into the wine cellar. And you're... You actually get lost down there. Um, it feels like it's growing bigger and you're twisting and turning around all these different bottles. And when you finally think you've found that door that you came down, that was the entrance, when you push open the door, you feel this room get darker and enclose around you. And you feel the walls push tightly around you and it's like you're trapped in a little closet. And you extend your arms and you try to push the door again, but when you open the door, you're not in the bar anymore you're in a bedroom. It's just a big, fancy bedroom. Like, the biggest bed you've ever seen. Huge chandelier above you. The things in this bedroom probably cost more than the amount of money you've ever owned in your whole entire life combined. Oh god. On the other side of the door to this room, you hear talking, and then yelling, and then a crash, and then a grunt, and you hear these pounding footsteps coming closer and closer, and you panic and you duck and you hide under the bed. And okay. this bed is as, like, 
you see these massive feet as this door is pushed open. And now you understand why this thing needs a bed this fucking big, because this thing is huge, and all you can see is its feet. You hide, and you wait in fear, and eventually it leaves again, and you slide out from under the bed, and you sort of catch your breath and try to steady yourself again. You pull one of the curtains from the window back just a little bit to look out, and you see a huge town square below you. Beyond that, you see a huge prison, and you know it's a prison. You can see the bars on the windows from here, the light flickering off of each of them. You turn back around. You're not super keen on trying to scale down from the third story of this giant building you're in, so you're looking for any other exit, anything other than this door that you saw this giant thing come through, because you really don't want to talk to it right now. Uh, you don't want, you don't really know how to explain how you ended up in its bedroom, but, um, in one of the corners of the room, you notice a small divot in the wall, like a small handle, and you pull it open, and you find a hidden door, revealing a really tight spiral staircase. You're actually really confused why this spiral staircase is in the room that this huge thing is in, because, like, it wouldn't fit in here, but you don't think about it too long. You just close the door behind you and you run down those stairs as quickly as you can. You find yourself at the bottom of these stairs in a dark tunnel, and you follow it. At the end of it, it just sort of dead ends, but you find a hatch in the ceiling right above you. You push it open, and you crawl out, and you find yourself in a small cabin. And the cabin is mostly bare save for a stack of newspapers and a wall covered in what looks like newspaper clippings and red yarn sort of, you know, connecting different newspaper clippings, like a, like a fucking uh, Pepe Silva kind of deal. I was just about to. <laughs> I'm glad you caught it. I was but, gonna, but I didn't want to interrupt the store. <laughs> No, we're still gonna have fun here. We're still gonna have fun here. It's real serious right now, but we're still gonna have fun. And this cabin is also mostly quiet, save for some scuffling of animals outside, and also muffled yelling from another room. You stand still, but the door stays closed. You can sort of hear which room this yelling is coming from, but it doesn't seem like it's able to get out. It's just sort of yelling in there. So you very slowly move yourself towards the exit and quickly get out of this cabin. And you find yourself in a forest. And you're really turned around. You're lost and confused and you're vaguely scared. So you wander... Vaguely doesn't even... Describe it at that point. <laughs> Are you terrified? Like, that's a little bit. Yeah. So you wander a few meters away from this cabin before it's completely lost to view. And you sit down at the base of a large tree and you hang your head and you're just resting your eyes. And then you feel the tree behind your head grow hotter and hotter and it's burning your scalp and you pull away. 
you see everything turning bright red around you, and you close your eyes again, and you rub at them, and when you open your eyes, you're collapsed in a different forest. It's the first forest I described. And there's a path leading away from your resting place, marked by small green flowers. I, mean, I don't know about y'all, <laughs> but this is a weird fucking day. Miru, how were you contacted? Alright, let's uh, get into this. Hear that? And that was my dice. <laughs> I really like writing, so I spent a, uh, a bit of time making a full paragraph, so I'm sorry that uh, I, I dumped That's... my head into this. That is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody ready? Nehru Blackwell was spending his day the same way he always does, trying to help the common folk of the town of Hearthright. He was a paladin of the magnificently famous Blackwell family, after all, and this was his sworn duty. Granted, his success has been rather lackluster. Just this morning, he rescued a cat from a tree by breaking off the branch with his warhammer as the cat fell screeching and clawing onto Nehru's face. Later, he did, however, arrive first on scene to a bank robbery, managed to incapacitate every assailant before the authorities arrived. When they did arrive, however, Nehru was promptly mistaken for the bank robber and hit with a paralyzed spell. When he got his letter, Nehru was sitting upon a cliffside, overlooking Hearthright, when a passing wind slapped a handcrafted envelope to his face, a wax steel symbol resembling the Blackwell family sigil. Uh, describing to him a chance at real paladinly work. And then and then he upped and left. Aww. So, at that moment, you also felt this sort of pull deep inside of you. This letter never gave you, like, an address. It never said, like, meet me here or go there. There was no real directions, it, just a promise. And it was like you could feel that promise inside of you, and you followed it. And as you were following it, you eventually came to a small pond. You've been traveling for a while now, so you take a seat down by it. You decide to rest for just a moment. You refill your canteen, and you decide to splash some water on your face. It's starting to get late, and you're tired, but you're really focused on the task at hand. And you're trying to kind of not freak out. You're you're getting a little overwhelmed by it. I guess you're kind of stuck in your head at this point. You're trying to figure out, like, what in the world am I going to do right now? However, the puddle, when you splash it up in your face, you notice it ripple and shine much brighter than usual. And you lean closer and you splash it again, but you lose your balance and you fall into it. <laughs> and it looked much shallower than it really was. You're completely submerged in it. You hold your breath, and you shut your eyes, and you pull yourself back up to the surface, surface. you paddle, and you're doggy paddling, and when you shake the water from your head, you hear a gasp, like, two feet away from your head. And you open your eyes, and you nearly fall over as you find your surroundings have changed so drastically. Gone is the quiet pond. You find yourself covered in dirt instead. There's small dirt walls built up around you and there's another dragonborn there and he stares at you from a few feet away he's also pretty dust covered but also something else blood and he stares at you from a few feet away and then he yells something before he grabs you and pushes your head down and you hear an explosion erupt just above you and pieces of wood and rocks and scrap metal 
fall on top of you just as you feel another scaly hand reach through the debris and pull you out. Your ears are ringing and in the distance you hear another explosion. The first dragonborn man climbs out of the debris as well and they both just sort of stare at you in confusion. And you look down and you see the small metal trap door beneath you, but you still can't really wrap your mind around what the fuck just happened. And they ask you what the fuck just happened, but you can't really answer. And then they pull you down again and you hear another explosion. And the next word is unmistakable. Roy. And they both take off in a full sprint. One of them expands his two large wings and takes flight. You run with the first one on the ground, avoiding landmines and tripwire. It's total chaos. You hear another explosion, and the other dragon falls to the ground behind you. You scream, and when you second-guess your step, another mine explodes. You don't know which way to go. You look up, and you see the bigger one with the wings flying and zagging and zigging around in the air. He looks down at you, and then he sort of nosedives, and he picks you up at the last second. You hold on as he flies past the field, around drones and dodging falling bombs, and you've never seen a dragon fly this fast before. Your head is spinning when he ducks into a small crack in the edge of a steep mountain incline. He does a sort of barrel roll and you fall off, tumbling to the ground, and then he flies back out. And you cautiously stand up and look around the cave. You aren't sure what's going on at all, but you're pretty certain this dragonborn wouldn't leave you somewhere unsafe. He kind of saved your life, like, four times. So you walk deeper into this cave, trying to get away from this, these explosions that are just happening nearly every other minute at this point. And as you walk deeper into the cave, you find a small group of other dragonborns, along with a handful of orcs and even a couple of giants. They turn to look at you for a moment before turning away. Then another snaps his head back to you, and you see a bright glow from behind them. They all slowly part ways as each of their faces turn to stare at you, and then someone from the back shoves you, and you fall forward and find they're gathered around a tree trunk embedded deep in the rock. Between the bark is bright light. You shield your eyes and it grows brighter and brighter. Your head feels light and you collapse. When you come to again, you're in that first forest. The explosions are replaced by crickets and birdsong. A path lays at your feet, outlined by small golden flowers. And this is where each of you find yourselves right now. In this overgrown forest. It's quiet. It's serene. And you still feel that tugging sensation deep inside of each of you, pulling you down this pathway. And it's not a very long pathway. Maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes walking down this pathway before you all meet at the center. What do you do? I'm gonna, like, look around. Can I check if, like, can I roll an investigation or perception to be like, can I check if these randos aren't going to murder kill me? Yeah, you can do, like, a perception to see if you feel, like, danger around you. That would make sense, right? Or insight. Uh, or, yeah, insight would probably oh, be better. Oh, insight, yes. 
I rolled a 12 for insight. You don't notice anything that's, like, particularly dangerous about them? Like, none of them are brandishing weapons, right? Like, near it? Um, no. My Warhammer's on my back. But you're not, like, holding it. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, holding it. Bash I'm holding my bass guitar. You ready to bash her in or ready to play her love battle? No, I'm holding it. I mean, it's it's a weapon. <laughs> but it doesn't look like one. It's just a bass no, guitar. It it's just a bass guitar. You don't know it's a weapon. So, so no, there's nothing particularly frightening about any of them except, like, how Gazi's a goblin, but... Y- you guys Sassy all... Sassy racist. Don't, don't, don't put me in a situation like this. <laughs> Nope, tries to check and see if there is a cell phone signal on his phone. There's no signal, no. Hmm, well, shit. <laughs> um, hello, citizens? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Oh, uh, uh, um, uh, Nero pulls out his holy bolt, which, um, is also, also serves partly as... Blackwell family sigil, if anybody knew the Blackwell family. I, um, out of, a out of character, I doubt that. Um, and he, like, holds it up proudly and says, My name is Nehru Blackwell of the Blackwell family paladins, and I think, uh, I think I might have been slipped some drugs. <laughs> Do any of you know where we are? Where I am. Um, well, can I pull out my phone and uh, open... Try to open what? Let's <laughs> not Google. I, it's Gogway. It's a completely different company. It's, um... It's called Gobble here? We're gonna go with it's Gobble. It's called... Can we go Gobble? That's not, like, copyrighted, right? Yeah. Go- yeah, Gobble. Yeah, sure. Turkey noises aren't copyrighted. Uh, there is, there, again, there is no signal in here, though, so... No, um, he just kind of turns around the corner and just approaches, approaches, um, Nero and just kind of waits to be noticed. He doesn't say anything, he just waits to be noticed. So he's standing, he like walks up, stands near Nero and does yep. nothing? No, does nothing. <laughs> Nero takes a Would like, you a like him to speak? <laughs> no, he takes a few awkward steps away as he's like kind of... <laughs> Uh, looking at note, like, um, hello, elf. Note pulls out his phone, and he, um, he types something on it, and then he shows it to Nero's face, and it reads, what's with the citizens' bullshit? Well, well, you, well, I, I'm, I am a paladin, and that, uh, that puts some level of responsibility and authority on me, and, hang on, why aren't you talking? Okay, don't be insensitive, big guy. You might be tall, but you can't be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just curious. Like, is, is there something wrong? Did you have an injury? Is no types. It's none of your concern. Why are you speaking to us like you're higher than us? Because, well, authoritatively speaking, I kind of am. I am. I do have paladinly duty. And while I do, I do respect you, each of you, as a person, and I, uh, I am completely fine with any disabilities you may have, and I'm not meant to, and I'm not trying to be mean, I am still, like, a paladin. No, I have a PhD. I'm technically much better than you. Now, now you see, I didn't even know that. Thank you for, thank you for introducing me to your PhD 
What, what's your name? Hi, it's me, Dr. Marty. I only have one name. That's the only name I do have, for sure. Um, I went to medical school for five, seven years. Maximum amount of time that you're supposed to go to medical school for. And I'm a doctor. Helgazi probably believes every single word of what she's saying. Uh, yeah, Nero has no reason to not believe her. That's uh, that's that's good to know. I still think that like the comparison between a doctor and a policeman is kind of different. No, is like not even acknowledging what Marty said at this point. He just kind of types in. He kind of types in on his phone. He's just like, so anyone have any idea where we are? She's gonna look around. So give me perception. Eighteen. 18. Okay. So, Helgazi, as you are sort of looking around, and you're very keen on nature stuff, you know, you've lived your whole life in the forest, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So, you can see that they don't really meet at, like, a right angle. It's more of, like, an X. So, between um, where Note and Nero's paths met at, there's a slightly bigger gap there. And you can just barely make out a sort of trodden path going between theirs, between those in a different direction. This one, unlike yours, is not marked by these flowers. And the grass isn't quite as vibrant as the grass that you guys have been walking on is. So it's not like as obvious of a path as the one that you guys have been walking on, but you can definitely see that it's been walked back and forth on quite a few times. Alright, Helgazi's just gonna be like, not really breaking eye contact with Note for a second, she's just gonna start walking away from the group. Down that path? Down the trodden path, yeah. Okay. Um, well, Marty's super intimidated by this goblin grandma, so she's just gonna like, sort of follow sheepishly. Helgazi's kinda keeping an eye over her shoulder at these, like, people who have- she's never seen anyone of their kind before. None of them. No, it's just gonna follow after and just kind of roll with it. Nero sees all the other, uh, sees all the other people move down this path, and he's like kicking up the back, very confused, saying, "Hang on, uh, goblin woman, elf man, I haven't gotten your names. I'd really like to know this before we delve into uh, a mysterious forest together." No. <laughs> <laughs> no, like solidly glares at Nero for a moment, and then turns away, and then just keeps walking forward. <laughs> Nero, num Nero mumbles to himself, uh, I really, I don't understand why they're doing this to me. That's kind of rude. <laughs> I love Nero so much. Okay. kind of turns around back to him, and like, um, Types, and he types on his phone and shows it to Nero and says, So was asking someone why, why they don't speak, but I didn't ask you. And I then he turns away and then walks back forward. That's on you asking your name and asking... Did I... I... Okay. So, <laughs> so as you two are just sort of bickering back and forth, there's just like a very tense aura around your party right now. Helgazi huh? just covers her ears over... <laughs> <laughs> she folds her ears over themselves, like little earmuffs. As you guys are walking down this path, most of you aren't super keen on hanging out in 
forests and stuff. So you're kind of you're kind of very reliant on Helgazi at this moment. She's seems to be the only one that really knows what the hell she's doing. But one thing that she didn't really count on was a Venus flytrap. And it's huge. Mostly the reason she didn't see it is because it's quite literally bigger than she is. It's about <gasps> six feet tall. Oh. <laughs> and as she just sort of bumps into this thing, yeah. it takes a step back and you see it's almost like it's it's stem split in two like legs and you see vines and leaves and dirt crumpling off of it as it steadies itself and you see it lift the sort of like the opening part of its flowery part um and that's when you notice that where that is sitting isn't really its head like you had thought, because that's about right above Helgazi. That's actually on its stomach, and you see, like, a more humanoid torso above that part of it, and then you see from the bushes, it sort of stretches out a couple arms, and you see more of, of the leaves sort of unfurl away on its face. And you see, like, almost a very beautiful feminine face with, you know, very short red hair. And I need all of you to roll initiative. Alrighty then. Oh, it's time. That is a 13. That's a nat 1, so I have a 5. Oh, out. Nat 20. <laughs> Holy shit. And I got a 12 again. So I'm dead last. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense since I wasn't looking at this thing and I was just making sure that I wasn't going to get jumped by the rest of my party. Yeah, kind of. So, note, you are surprisingly the first one that really picks up on this thing. You're first in the order. What are you going to do? I have a perfectly good explanation for this. Okay. See, he didn't see that this was coming. He didn't... He was kind of focusing on his party kind of the same way Helgazi was. He was kind of glaring down Nero because he kind of just met him and he's like, Well, I already don't like this guy. <laughs> so... Okay. When I, <laughs> so, whenever this thing appears, it startles him. And he accidentally screams a bit in surprise, I guess? Yeah. And that's whenever he just casts Sacred Flame. <laughs> Alright, so this thing has to be a DC 14? For yes, uh, Dexterity yes. Save. Alright. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Six! So... So it takes nine damage, all from note, just screaming and ending up casting sacred flame in the, response the fire comes out of your mouth <laughs> that is actually um a little bit what it looks like to the rest of your party um as you scream it's almost like the um the sound waves from your voice like spark up 
and they fly right over Marzi and uh, Helgazi's heads, and they smack this thing right in its open tummy, where this flytrap mouth is just sort of opening and closing lazily, and it, uh, it catches a few of the leaves and stuff on fire, and it, do it doesn't look very happy about that at all. It, it kind of recoils from that. And next up is going to be... Nero. Nero, what you doing? Alright. Is he going to comment on the fact that my voice turned to fire? Um, yeah, he's a little bit terrified. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, his his immediate reaction is, uh, of course, that this is a situation. And he needs to. It's a what um, situation? It's a, wait, it's a what situation? A dangerous situation. Okay. Okay. And so he immediately cast Shield of Faith, which is a bonus action uh, <laughs> upon Helgazi. Flytrap, you now have plus two to AC. Alright. Sick! Add that in so you. or write it down so you remember. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? She she's, she now has an 18 armor class. Invincible. <laughs> Strong grandma. Oh. Um. So. Uh, that was a. So I can. Uh, that was a I bonus action. Do, yeah. Yeah. So you can do another thing, right? Yeah, I get I get like two attack action because I'm level six. Yeah. Oh shit! Um, I'm going to, to pull we, out. We did start at level six. We're gonna fucking destroy this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I pull out my warhammer and uh, a little bit like on the flytrap, but also a little bit like wanting to get the fire away from, stop it from existing. Yeah. Like beating out the fire on the flytrap, <laughs> I hit it twice with my maul. Okay. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, yeah. I forgot that was. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> for, for those at home listening, um, there is a, uh, a caption on <laughs> Nehru's mall, aka I the Blackwell it. Buster. It. it says, it says time to beat some meat, guys. Both, yeah. Yeah, both of those do damage. Give me, show me how much damage Give you us do. some damage, my dude. So it takes... No, there, uh, there was two attacks and they both went right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it take the three damage and then five damage from the second one, right? N no. No, that's a... The, it, it, each it, attack deals 2d6. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So your first attack did eight, and then the second attack did like... Seven. Seven? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of the first hit is, I guess, more of your, like, get rid of this fire shit, and it takes eight damage from that, and it kind of staggers back a step when you do that, almost stumbles over, and then your second one is more of just a also-fuck-you kind of move, where you're actually just aiming to hit it, and this thing is out. Like, it collapses at this point, and it twitches a little bit, and you see its mouth close up, and these leaves that have been surrounding its face sort of furl back over its face, and it's just unconscious. It's not dead, but it's unconscious. Oh. It's unconscious? It's unconscious, yeah. Okay, question. Now are we out of, like, order? Yeah, yeah, you're combat. out of combat now. It's completely, like, 
It's not doing okay. anything. I look down on this plant Venus flytrap monster, and I make sure that it's just before uh, I heal it back with my lay on hands because, because I feel kind of bad. Because it didn't actually attack us. That's true, it and, didn't. It just looked it, real it scary. Looks, it looked real scary, and I was afraid that it was going to attack us, but I've handled the situation with my big hammer, and now I'm going to uh, make sure that it wakes up not with, uh, like, vomiting. Yeah. So I'm going to give it, like, uh, 10 HP. Okay, so you, um, you kneel down, and as you um, lay your hand upon it, and um, you've cast this spell before, and, I mean, you know, it works. It looks the way that it normally does, except something about it feels different here. It's like you, you don't give it more hit points, but something inside of you, that pulling sensation that you've been feeling, you feel it go stronger. And it's, it's leading you back down this path, and you know you're going the right way at this point. And you sort of feel, like, purposeful. Like, there was something about this action that you've done that just everything that you had seen before that you thought was, like, drugs you had taken, it sort of comes crashing back over you, and you're just more determined than you've ever been to figure out where you're supposed to be. Helgazi's just like, she's blinking and she has her hands up. Because this was over in less than six seconds. Yeah, like... She's just like, oh, what what happened? Um, trying to like, saying back to help is she's like kneeling down, like, brushing... Has the, like, has the leaves gone out of its face yet? No, its leaves are still like, furled over its face, like, it's just out still. Well, she's trying to, like, curl some of the, like, the leaves, like, oh, wait, hair over face. someone's face, but, like, terribly with leaves, <laughs> and she's, you know, petting its head, trying her best to... <laughs> well, they're unconscious. And she keeps walking. She, she just she just steps over its dead body. She steps going. over the unconscious body and just keeps walking. <laughs> All right, is are you guys following her? Or are you seeing? Helgazi. Why not? Let's keep going. Yeah, seeing Helgazi like uh, uh head just head on back um head on keeping on um in our journey and me feeling a lot more purposeful, I, I'm, like, enthusiastically joined this march back forward. Marcy, Marcy follows, but not before she does that thing where, like, you kiss your hand and you put it on someone's face. She does that, it's like, sleep well. And she, like, trots to follow the rest of the gang. Alright, you guys, um, you're still continuing down this same path. I trust my party a little more now. You do? I have Sorry. a sword on my scimitar, but I'm keeping my eyes ahead because I don't want to run into another fly trap. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably smart. You feel particularly safe with that shield of faith on you. You're Holy welcome. Holy shit, do I. <laughs> As you guys are continuing down this path, you start to pick up a sound 
off in the background. Um, it's sort of like a, a singing and a humming kind of sound. You can't really pick out any certain melody, but there's definitely some kind of music there just kind of accompanying you almost. Mm. I don't like that. I enjoy music. Oh, um, since Marcy's a bard, she's gonna, can she do a thing where she tries to like, uh, what's her instrument again? Instrument along with the music. Like harmonize with it? Yeah, harmonize with it. Yeah. Oh, I want to do that too because I have a bass guitar. I'm not a bard, but I want to do that as well because I am also a musician. Um, both of you- Marcy's- Both of you give me a per performance check then. Oh, Alright, yeah, okay. Marcy's instrument's her voice, so she's gonna sing it. And she got 11. Oh, I got a 7. That ain't good. Alright, um... Can I try? Hey, hey, hey! Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot! Helgazi, you have... What do you have again? I have a slide whistle? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a performance! <laughs> okay, okay, listen! I... See all of these um bumbling musicians uh trying their best to harmonize things. Oh no, Helgazi's not trying to harmonize, Listen. she's just like <laughs> Nero, are you are you gonna do a performance too? Do you have any sort of music? I have my voice. Holy oh shit! Holy <laughs> shit! You must be a beautiful singer, my dude. Okay. Twenty one! Let me, let me paint you a picture of how this goes down, alright? So, Marcy, you're the first one to sort of pick up on this music. And you sort of, you're just sort of singing along with it. And you know, you're kind of decent. It's hard to follow one of these, because like I said, there's like, they're coming from a whole different, whole bunch of different locations. Some of them are real far away from you, and you're trying to like pick up on one harmony, but it's kind of hard to, like, adjust your voice back to a different one, so you're kind of jumping around a little bit, but yeah, it sounds decent. And, no, you, um, you sort of watch what Marcy's doing, and you, you're holding your bass guitar in your hand still, and you just start sort of plucking along to it, but it's not really going along with it super well. It's like, they, they're singing too fast or too slow, or it's just not in an octave that you can really hit. <laughs> um, and almost comedically, Helgazi pulls out her little slide whistle and just gives him a little whirr, and, and that's when you hear, a few feet ahead of you, you hear a twig break, and then you hear this little slapping sound and a snicker, and then it gets real quiet again. And you, you almost hear someone take a few steps away from where you're heading, um, and another snicker again, um, but that's quickly replaced by this humming that's come back, and then Miru can, with a oh, Danny boy. <laughs> As he gets a 21. <laughs> um, he is humming along, uh, he is humming along, hum, 
and is trying to match like he's trying he's harmonizing it but like at a much 50 lower, different pitches <laughs> he at a much lower octave yeah big dude and he has big luck all right so as you start you start humming along too and it's like your voice is so beautiful and it's so steady it's almost like you're not harmonizing with them it's like the rest of these sounds are trying to harmonize with you at this point he gets super into this and he eventually like the humming you know that like wordless thing the what now wordless singing like it's they're they're like, singing so but it's scatting? not like you're like, no. <laughs> no, I, think, no, I like, think he's talking uh, about sort of like a Gregorian chant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like a chant. Yeah, yeah he's chanting. Okay, so you are, you are Gregorian chanting, and as you're going along, you guys are all still just sort of walking, and then, Nero, you stop pretty abruptly in this song that you're singing, and you hear these little hums and... Harmonies just go silent. Dead silent. And the only sound you can hear... Right behind you. And you turn around. And you see a big smile. And you see this... Pale green face. With short blonde hair. But he's, he's about your height, and Holy he's shit. smiling he's right at Nero's you. He's Nero's height? He's my height? He's your height. He that is, is seven feet. Yeah, he's about seven feet. And Holy fuck. He's, God. he's clapping, and you see around this green face, you see these huge yellow flower petals just outlining this guy's face and his hair and... His whole body is covered in these vines, and these flowers are just just unfurling and refurling all over his arms and his legs. And then... Oh. Oh, oh shit. From the ground at his feet, these huge vines pull off, and they wrap around you, and you're grappled. Um... So I'm going to need you to make either an athletics check or an acrobatics check. Okay, um, can, can I say that as he was plotting Nero's performance, Nero was looking like a little red-faced, embarrassed, like, oh, it was nothing. And then he's <laughs> surrounded by <laughs> What was, uh, what was the check, sorry? Uh, either athletics or acrobatics. I'm going to go with is athletics. That, is Holy that shit. Is oh. that all of us? No, no just no, Nero. No, it's just Nero. Oh. oh, okay. 15. Okay. Yeah, you uh, beat you it. had to beat a 12, so you did beat it. So it doesn't do any damage to you. He's just sort of has you grappled here like this. And he's still smiling down at you. And he's still clapping. And he says, That was a great song! Hate to beat you to shit. And I need everyone to roll initiative again. Oh, Jesus! What? This guy isn't very nice at all. Oh. So, I got a 15, a, a 14, I can't read. 
Nineteen. Fifteen. Oh, four. Not one. What? So, first up is Helgazi. You are at the very... You were you were leading this group, mm-hmm. but he came up behind you guys. So you were pretty much the furthest away from him. So you've... I'm, I'm assuming while he was talking and grappling and stuff, you've all sort of clumped back up and you've sort of taken a few steps closer to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Helgazi's just staring up at this, uh, this, this boy, I guess. She has her sword off her hilt, and all of a sudden it ignites. Her sword's covered. Her sword catches on fire? Her sword catches on fire. How does it do that? Do you cast a spell on it? I cast Flame Blade. Okay. What's that do? I have proficiency in it. Um, hold on. I'm gonna cast it now. Oh. It just is a melee weapon that does fire damage. Okay, um, so you do you so you just spend your turn casting it, right? You can't do another. No, it's a bonus to, action. Oh, it's a bonus action. Yeah. Okay, so um, do you hit him with it? I hit him with it. Okay, give me. Give it's me, a sixteen. So it's a sixteen against his armor. Uh, yeah, that hits. Okay. Oh, I can choose what kind of damage I want to do to him. You can. Yeah. Let's see if I can cast it at level 3. Let's cast it at level 3. Well, you already said it was on fire, so it's probably going to be fire damage, right? Yeah, it's 9 fire damage. Alright. Well, it uh, it actually is going to do more than that. Oh, wait. Shit. Hold on. I also have something else I can add to that damage. What do you mean? If I make a melee attack against something, I can use uh, Wrath of the Small. Oh, yeah, because you're... And I can add my uh, my level as damage. So another six on top of that. Okay. Um, wait, does it have to be a certain amount bigger than you? or just... It has to be a size larger than me, and I'm small. You're small? Okay, yeah, he's medium. So um, he, uh, he, when you cast this and you hit him with it, he reacts pretty intensely to this hit. He, um actually drops the vines off of Nehru, you aren't sure if it's because you completely cut him off, or if it's because he's scared, or if it's because he's hurt real bad, but he, um, he takes a few steps back and tries to ready himself, and you see a a couple of those vines that were holding Nehru fall to the ground. She flashes a jagged smile at him. Next up is Nehru. You are no longer grappled. Uh, wait, am I, am I out of grapple? Yeah, yeah, you're out of grapple. Alright, nice, because uh, I have a spell I want to... What are you going to do? It's called Misty Step. <clears throat> oh, it's going to teleport. Oh my god. <laughs> As a bonus action, I am teleport uh, behind him, give him a taste of his own gosh dang medicine. Since I just Fashion. attacked him, he has advantage. I'm um, within five feet distracting him. Is that how- wait, what now? If I'm- if he- he's flanking. Yeah. So flanking is an actual maneuver in combat. Yeah. He has advantage on the attack since I just attacked him. I don't know enough about D&D to dispute that, so you have advantage. Nero, you're I'm, behind him now, and you have I'm advantage I'm gonna make both on... attack. Your what? Only oh, your first attack, attack gets advantage. Okay. Alright. Yeah. That's a 24. So you're- First attack hits, your second one misses. Um, 
So roll me some damage for the first one. Eight. Okay. So your first attack, you swing at his head, and it knocks him forward a few steps, and then he turns around, and just as you try to swing it back, he ducks, and it misses him, and he pops back up, and he's still got that smile, and he's like, that was a good try, and he puts a hand up for a high five, but next up is gonna be Note, and this guy's super distracted. He's kind of an idiot. You're a little confused what the hell his game is. Oh, gee. God, he really is a dumbass, huh? <laughs> um, I want to say something. Do it. Yeah, hmm, I, I wonder how I'm going to say this. I gotta think this through, okay? Alright, take your time. Okay, um, Note kind of looks agitated for a moment, because he thinks that, um... This dude, this dumbass, is just here to waste their time. So he just kind of yells out at him, Are you messing with us? Are you just toying with us right now? And that causes him to cast, uh, let's go in with Inflict Wounds. Alright. Um, this is a 13 hit. So that does hit. Um, he turns around and kind of tries to figure out what's going on, and the way this sort of looks to him as he turns around is it's like, it, it almost looks cartoon-esque, like, as you're speaking, the letters you're saying are coming out of your mouth as, like, physical objects, and they each just sort of hit him in the face, and give me some damage for that. Holy shit! Oh, okay. oh my god, murder! K-K-K-K-K-O! Yeah, holy shit! So these words just pummel this fucker in the face, and he just tips over backwards, and he's out cold. You see these yellow flower petals furl back over his face, along with the green outer petals that were behind the yellow ones, they furl over his face too. And he's just, like, he's not dead either. He's just laying there. He's in a whole bunch of pain. Um, so is he, if he's knocked out, are we out of combat? Yeah, you're out of combat now. So if I'm out of combat, I would like to go, go ahead and approach him. Yeah. And, um... I take a look at him, yeah, and I see how he's passed out, and I kind of just, like, kick him in the shoulder and tell him, hey, get up, and I cast Healing Word. <laughs> so, it looks like our theme for this campaign is beating people up, and then... So you, um, you sort of kick this guy, and, you know, you, you've, this is probably a pretty common thing that you do, huh, when you heal. And you don't really give too much of a shit. Tough you just kind of cook them. You just kind of kick them. And that's enough to... Just kind of cuck them? You just kind of cuck them? <laughs> no, you just kind of... <laughs> With who? No, no looks at this guy. Where he's like... Where is this? Quick! Where is this? <laughs> no looks at this guy and he's like, you're kind of a Chad, aren't you? <laughs> and 
that's all I'm gonna oh say. My <laughs> oh my god! sort of looks it's like you can see like fog come out of your mouth as you say this and it just sort of drifts down to his mouth and it's gay you see his <laughs> chest rise again and it feels different than usual um it's not really something you can put your finger on to describe very well like if you were told to describe it, you absolutely couldn't. But you feel that pulsing in your chest again, and you're thinking about when you were underneath of that bed, and you're thinking about the feeling of that tree growing hotter behind you, and you are invigorated. Um, and I should probably have mentioned this earlier, um, Nira, you also got this as well. Both of you get an inspiration point. Oh um, yeah. Nira and Note both. You have an inspiration point, okay? Okay. So you are filled with this this need to continue on to what you're doing. You know that you're going the right way, and you start back down this path again. So what about um the the moron who I just kicked and um told to get up did he's he still, get up no he's still laying there he's still like um has his leaves like furled over his face he's like this yeah yeah is there any way we can bring him with us do you what is there any way we can bring him with us like uh, can i like gesture over to um no he's nearer to come over here and carry this loser i mean if you want to but i will add in that uh as as you as his chest sort of rises again, um, you notice his arm moves a little bit, and he just sort of like makes a circle with his thumb and his finger, and like the corner of his mouth cocks up and a little bit of a smirk. Oh that, that's God. all the movement He's you doing get that from thing. Is he doing that thing like what? Yeah, like the circle like, game. <laughs> the you circle make, game. You make it, and when you look at it, the guy's like, "Ah, I got you." <laughs> he's, okay. He's like Marty. Marty instinctively stomps on the. Stomps on his hand? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he yanks the hand away and like sits on it and he's like, ow. But he, he's still not moving and he's still got the flowers over his face. But you're like almost certain that he's super fine. Like he's okay now. He's just not moving for whatever reason. Let's go then. We can leave this place and go back to where we're supposed to be. This who gives a shit? Alright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Onwards! You guys just leave this fucker laying here. Um, and you keep pushing forward and... What? I leave my slide whistle with them. <laughs> you leave your slide whistle with them? If you anybody would appreciate Single solitary tear slide out from beneath his flower petaled face. Um, he is... He is touched. <laughs> um, he, he gets an inspiration point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reaching over and giving him an inspiration point on his character sheet for me. So, God. as you continue down, that um, melody is picking up again. You can hear that singing again. Um, 
it's a louder this time, it's more cohesive, it's just like one single melody at this point. Um, and accompanying that is a smell. It's sweet and it's strong. And it's everywhere around you. This aroma is just filling this whole pathway. And it's almost like you can see it. It feels like a fog. Like you could step off of this pathway and this smell would be gone. Helgazi's gonna be real, real dumb. She's gonna look around for a second and then take a big whiff. Okay. <laughs> this is gonna end well. Oh, for sure. So you take a huge sniff of this and... I'm gonna need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Holy shit. Okay. How did I do? Uh, what'd you hit? Holy shit! What is that? I got an eight. You got an eight? Not good. Not good. Well, I don't even have to add my charisma or my proficiency bonus to these rolls, because you super fail this. Um, when you take this big whiff, you feel light to your step like you feel like you are just walking on air and you prance forward past your group oh no Helgazi's high and <laughs> you go straight down this pathway and you disappear oh. into the brush at the end of this pathway you're completely out of view of the rest of your party oh no um and we'll get to where you are later the rest of you what are you doing uh, what did, what did Goblin Woman just do? Well, Marty's like, this air is filled with the good kush, TM, so I'm gonna take a huge whiff. Oh no, Marcy! <laughs> Marcy, so you, um, convinced that this is something making you high, you, you take a big sip. Do I get a roll wisdom first, or do I just yeah, do it? Yeah, you, you have to take a if wisdom saving If you are fully willing... Are you sure if if Marcy is fully willing to get high off of... Yeah, she... Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, I got five. Oh my you god. Got five. Um, so you also are filled with this light and fluffy energy, and you rush off down this pathway. You're skipping. You are so happy. You haven't felt this way in years. Every You just literally 10, 15 minutes ago, you were standing basically on the brink of the end of the planet. Like you were watching the ground beneath you crumble away and fires eat up the world that you were standing on. But right now, you you don't have a care in the world and you skip right down this path and you disappear at the end of the pathway behind all the I, I, I want to reiterate that you're not physically disappearing it's like a really really overgrown forest that you're in and you just kind of and it's, it's not like a straightaway pathway it's like kind of a curving pathway so you've just disappeared into the brush of the forest further on down the pathway past where Nero and Note are and as you go out of view, Nero and Note, the smell, it's dissipating, it's thinning out, and it's gone. 
You can barely smell it now. Now look at Node. What? Are we gonna are we gonna try and find them? <laughs> no, just kinda tense on his phone, it's like we don't really have much of an option here, do we? I guess we do not. <clears throat> Alright. So you two continue down this pathway. And as you sort of get closer to this area that Marzi and Helgazi have disappeared around. You're getting a little nervous. You can sort of smell that smell again. And you're... But you, you push through. And as you get around this corner, what you see ahead of you is another one of this, these flower people. Um, but this one is different. Unlike the other two, she has clothing on. Her body is much more humanoid than you've ever seen before. Her skin doesn't have this sort of, like, greenish look to it. Like, she... she's very, very humanoid. The only thing that really tells her apart as being one of these flower people is these bright pink petals all around her face and her neck, and they're adorning her hands and her arms, and you see these little these little thorns poking out of her legs and out of her arms and her hair is just dotted with little rose petals just sort of she's got very very like naturally curly hair and it's just sort of poked into them in different places and she's sitting on what looks to be a swing made out of like twisted and braided vines and she is just swinging back and forth on this vine swing from a tree and you see on one side of her you see Helgazi and she's standing completely still staring at you on her other side you see Marzi standing completely still and staring at you and note and near you from behind you you hear another twig snap and then both of you feel a hand clap on your backs and you see that same blonde guy lean forward between you two, and he's like, let's rock and roll, dude! <laughs> and then you're all gonna roll initiative. 